You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which came out in 2022 and was directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Mom, just wait. No time to wait. Very busy. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. If you can imagine it, somewhere out there, it exists. The universe is bigger than you realize. You think this is funny? There's no going back. Of all the places I could be, I just want to be here with you. It stars Michelle Yeoh, Kihi Kwan, Stephanie Zhu, James Hong, and Jamie Lee Curtis. The genre would be surrealist fantasy domestic comedy drama. Now, if you have seen the wacky trailers for this in theaters the past several months, and you saw that A24 banner before this, like me, your first thought might have been, whoa, hold on. This just looks too wacky and fun to be an A24 movie. And don't get me wrong, I love A24. It has been a nicely reliable brand for films geared towards actual adults within this Marvel-dominated movie marketplace the past several years. But let's be real here. If you're seeing a film with A24 at the beginning, then there's pretty much a 97% chance that you're going to feel either confused and or just grim at the end of it. I mean, we can go back now about a decade since A24 started. And how many A24 movies can you recall which even came close to having happy endings? Lady Bird, The Farewell, The Disaster Artist, and even those are stretching it just a bit. Well, consider me pleased to say that this film is in fact quite fun, wacky, and even, dare I say, life-affirming. It stars the legendary Michelle Yeoh as Evelyn, the owner of a laundromat, who is struggling to keep her head above water with her long-suffering husband, Waymond, played by Kihi Kwan. And both actors are fantastic, with very tricky roles, chock-full of both well-executed action and surrealist comedy beats. Because off the bat, this story veers off in a very fantastical direction, during what is on the surface a typically mundane situation. Evelyn's business is undergoing a tax audit, and they are headed into the local IRS headquarters to review everything with a moody, frumped-up Jamie Lee Curtis playing the auditor, when suddenly Wayman pulls Evelyn aside to clue her into some secret communications that he's having with another, quote, universe, via a couple of wacky green light-up earbuds, which he then puts on her and then explains how they are both engulfed in an ongoing battle with an overlord who's in charge of the, quote, multiverse, trying to destroy them both. In the multiverse, you can live up to your ultimate potential. What's happening? You discovered a way to temporarily link your consciousness to another version of yourself. Accessing all of the memories and skills. It's called verse jumping. There's a great evil spreading like the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. 
And beyond that, there's also a personal relationship between Evelyn and this overlord chasing her among different universes, which we then watch her traverse through at lightning speed. Each universe is radically different from the other. Evelyn is a glamorous movie star in one of them, a fierce martial artist in the other. She's saddled with hot dog hands in yet another. And mainly all it takes for them to travel from one universe to the next is to perform some sort of bizarre ritual, which can range from chewing up lip balm to giving yourself a paper cut to, let's just say, finding a novel use for a large phallically shaped object. And trust me when I say that the above description barely scratches the surface of what we see transpire over this film's breathlessly paced 135-minute runtime. As co-directed and co-written by Daniels Kwan and Scheinert, who previously collaborated on the widely praised Swiss Army Man from a few years ago, which is a film that I now have to check out, everything, everywhere, all at once, more than lives up to the expansiveness of its title as we see an inventive parade of colorful, crazy imagery which truly never quits. And yet the story stays tightly focused on Evelyn and her family throughout, with also a surprisingly clear focus on some large themes, including the very existence of the multiverse, the immigrant experience, generational divides, and most poignantly, the temptation of being drawn into nihilism. It's kind of a miracle as to how the film never feels incomprehensible and how it even concludes on a very earned emotional note. It's a genuine kick, pun intended, (laughs) to see Yo cut loose as an actress in a way that she's never really done before. Depending on which universe we see Evelyn, she's playing several different versions of herself, often with subtle variations. She does a lot of clever, wordless acting, as we can often hear the quiet buildup of different worlds summoning her throughout. It's entertaining to watch this struggle, Evelyn's arc in this is a compelling one, even though it's not particularly original. Honestly, nothing you haven't seen from the likes of Charles Dickens. It's very much a journey into finding your humanity. But the creativity with which it's carried out helps give everything a unique vibe. And the rest of the cast is also strong, especially Stephanie Zhu giving a touching performance as Evelyn's neglected daughter, and Jamie Lee, the Jamie Lee, proving once again to be a very game comedic performer. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. Now, you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. Especially one alternative universe version of her character, which pretty much brought the house down during my screening. And speaking of the humor... It's often over the top, and this film earns its R rating with several bouts of punchy violence, but it always feels more playful than mean-spirited. This is still very much in line with the A24 brand, but never on the gruesome levels of some of their most recent horror films. It all gels together better than you would expect, even with a runtime that might be about 10 minutes too long. Yeah, the final climax makes its point, and then it makes it again, and then again. And sorry to be a broken record, because I keep thinking this about recent reviews. That just seems to be the case with even most of the better films that I have seen lately, including The Power of the Dog, The Batman, or Licorice Pizza. Studios, both big and small, just seem incapable nowadays of putting out tighter product, which runs less than two hours. But still, this is better than most, and it almost earns the entire runtime, as this movie just takes you on a glorious ride. And that brings us to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. 
Everything Everywhere All at Once is pretty much a visual feast. And I have to be honest, after having just seen it once in theaters, not much of the music really stuck with me other than a steady percussive beat playing throughout as part of the score. And it certainly does the job helping drive what we see on screen. That score was done by Sun Lux, who are an American three-piece experimental band. They started about 14 years ago, and having released six albums, they've just recently branched out into film scores, with this film being their second film score to date. In addition, Sun Lux produces and performs the music heard accompanying a lovely and haunting duet playing over the end credits. The vocal duet is performed by Japanese indie pop sensation Mitsuki and David Byrne, the former frontman of likely my favorite band of all time, The Talking Heads. Both singers have such distinctive voices, and with the bare-bones production of this song, it's a genuine showcase for how well they complement each other. Throughout the song, we hear an occasional slow-paced drum beat, which seems to never quite pick up, along with some lilting strings throughout. It's hard to describe this song other than to just say that it just nails the whimsical and wistful tone of the conclusion for this film. The song is called This Is A Life. And indeed it is. This is a life every possibility from destiny. I choose you and you choose me. Not only what we saw. The next category would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Now, taking this category in a somewhat different direction for a change, I would actually prefer to highlight the comeback of a talent who might have been previously wasted over the past several decades. And yes, I'm referring to the grand return of Mr. Short Round himself, Kihi Kwan. He is such a joy to watch in this. Now all grown up, but still bringing with him that infectious spirit that several, myself included, enjoyed watching growing up. And yes, I consider myself an ardent defender of Temple of Doom, with all of its mad tonal flourishes, including his performance at the time. Short Round was as much the hero of that story as Indiana Jones. And the same goes here. His character here of the put-upon husband in this movie could have easily been one note on paper. But Quan navigates several different iterations through each universe to pull off a compelling combination of both instigator and grounding force for his wife, depending on the situation. Wayne has an agency as a character, and we're rooting for him as much as Evelyn. So allow me to celebrate the vaunted return of a previously wasted talent. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. There's no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Even with all of the visual craziness that is shown on screen, the highlight moment for me comes relatively late in the film, and is actually a relatively static scene focusing just on two rocks, a few feet apart, at the edge of a high cliff. Just two rocks, that's it. 
I will not spoil it any more than that, but this scene is proof positive in how you can delve into some of the most complex ideas in an entertaining way using the simplest of imagery. The final category is the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. For a platformed release, A24 niche film, the budget was about $25 million, but it's all there up on the screen. Of special note is lots of genuinely eye-popping production design, even emerging out of locations which seem initially mundane, like laundromats or wide-open office spaces. Jason Kisvarde led the art direction team here, and he's certainly a talent to watch. Having now played in this sort of quirky indie sandbox before, with standout work in recent films that I both loved, Palm Springs and Sorry to Bother You. That's a pretty strong track record, as those two combined with this film are likely the most visually inventive comedies of recent years. Therefore, Mr. Kisvardi clearly deserves a special shout-out. Of course, at the end of the day, this film is still the combined achievement of the two Daniels, Quan and Scheinert. Over six years, they fostered this film from the idea level to the screenplay level to the production level, most of which occurred during the height of the COVID pandemic, no less, to the finished product here. And what has resulted from their collaboration is a truly original creation, which I enjoy thoroughly. For bringing some much-needed joy and creativity to the world of cinema at a critical point, for creating a compelling, quote, multiverse, which is not some watered-down fan service comic book adaptation, and for finally delivering for A24, a film which can accurately be referred to as a crowd-pleaser, the Daniels are co-MVPs, and I salute them. This movie was conceived because we were realizing independent films, especially personal independent films, were getting cut out of the theatrical experience. And we said, I want to make something that is just as personal and just as... Um, you know, intimate as my favorite films, but can stand up along all the blockbusters and franchise films. And so this film is entertaining, it's loud, it's it's cosmic. I think people are going to really love it. And specifically, like I said, it was made for the theater. My rating for everything, everywhere, all at once is four and a half stars out of five. Overall, what we have here is likely the first great film of 2022. As of this recording, it's still in limited release, but its release is expected to continuously expand around the country. By all means, seek out this movie and see it on the biggest screen possible. And that ends another googly-eyed review. <laughs> Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.